BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. nwretention.com, that's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE, get you 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Can you imagine what it would be like to walk into a home, open up the front door, look to your right, 
and the living room is there, only it's full of human heads. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about Rush Limbaugh. We're going to talk about anti-racist math. And we're going to talk about my favorite thing in the world, me being right yet again about something. What, Chris? What? I have been given this nickname, The Oracle. All right, by the people, really by myself, but then everybody just pick up and rent from it. <laughs> Gosh, it's going to be a good day. But first, the whole human head thing. That was real. Allow me to walk you all the way to that. And yes, I'm going to get to Rush Limbaugh in just a little bit, obviously. We all, everybody, every single person, friends, enemies, doesn't matter who you are, Owes that guy something. Everybody who does what I do for a living, for sure. What a legend. What a legend. Rest in peace, Rush. Manila. Have you ever... I mean, some of you undoubtedly have traveled there because, look, my people are obviously well-traveled people. What, Chris? Many of you maybe have traveled there. I personally have not. They They didn't have Manila in the Philippines, in Ohio. Uh, But if you haven't, I highly suggest you do, if you're at a safe place to do it, a little image search of Manila in the Philippines. It's gorgeous. It's just one of those places. It looks so cool. And the huge bay, it's it's, it's just, it looks awesome. Right, Chris? See, Chris just looked it up. it, it, It just looks awesome. And... It was known, is known, as the Pearl of the Orient, which, what a cool name anyway. There was the Pearl of the Orient. Let's do a little backstory on Manila, very brief, before we get to our story today. It was originally a Spanish colony, you know, that whole colonial era. It was a Spanish colony. And then we fought a war with the Spanish that we started called the Spanish-American War. What, Chris? What? Remember the main, just a, a brief background on it. Cause I don't want to blow through this for those who may not know. It was fought in Cuba between us and the Spanish and the war kicked off when a naval ship of ours called the main blew up and we blamed it all on the Spanish and our disgusting newspapers. This was the, the real yellow journalism era. All ran with stories blaming the Spanish. And to this day, there's, there's, There's really no indication it was the Spanish at all. Could have been some guy burning cigarettes down by the ship's magazine where they keep all the (laughs) gunpowder. But Spain was on on the downhill swing big time, and we were on the uphill swing big time, and we thought, ah, let's go ahead and flex a little bit. We fight the Spanish American War, and part of the Spanish American War was giving us the Philippines. You know, when you lose a war, you sit down and you got to give some things up. We, Americans, we are not, nor should you ever think of us as being totally anti-imperialist. In my opinion, we should have been more imperialist. But but we were just like everybody else. When we're starting to flex a little bit, we're starting to get strong. We're looking around. We just want a war. war. England has all these colonies, and France has all these colonies. Why shouldn't we have some colonies? I want some colonies. 
That's just part of what made you a power. We decided we were going to colonize the Philippines after the Spanish had done it. We colonized the Philippines. It is rough in the beginning. I've done a story or two on it before. I'll do a story or two later. The Filipino people, much to their credit, a real fierce independent streak, not the type to just lay down for their new colonial masters. You see, they wanted the Spanish gone badly. They're like, we're finally free. Ah, wait. America just took over. This didn't this didn't work out well for us at all. And they had all these tribes there, and there was just vicious fighting, and we did vicious things, and they did vicious things. But let's fast forward through all that. Because to our credit, America looked around and realized, you know, there's probably a better way to be a colonial power. You don't actually have to kill everyone. I mean, you can kill some people. It's, that's part of being a colonial power, it seems to be. I don't, I don't know of a colonial power who did it any differently. But what if, what if we just made sure they were our friends and just helped them out? And we did. And it was the coolest colonial experience ever. Remember, I told you, all colonial powers, all, all colonial experiences are not the same. Yes, there are brutal, genocidal, oppressive ones. And then there are several across the world. Don't listen to your idiot college professor. There are several across the world that have been huge benefits to the people who lived there. Gave them huge technological leaps forward, medical leaps forward, infrastructure leaps forward. America figures out, you know what? We're going to do this right. And America starts building up the nation. I'm talking about sewer systems. I'm talking about modern buildings, modernizing all their infrastructure, educating their children. We start making it a haven for American businesses, which the Filipinos loved because American businesses bring American businessmen. When American businessmen come over, they look around and they want to make this lovely Filipino place a little bit more like America. Soon they have air conditioning, air conditioned movie theaters. But America is doing it smartly. They bring in these city planners. And what we're doing in a place like Manila is we're blending the Spanish influence, the traditional Filipino stuff, and American. So it was this gorgeous blend of a city with all this cool architecture. And it was a booming business hub. And I mean booming. We'll get to why this mattered in a moment, but we had... Tons of American families over there. It was just beautiful. We're talking early 1900s here. Beautiful. A Mecca. And it was a hub for the U.S. military. If you're in the U.S. military, it was one of the choice posts. Look, if you're an officer and you're, let's say you're an officer and you're a married man. There are a bunch of really crappy places you can be stationed around the world. It's hard to tell the missus, honey, we're doing a year in Yemen. It's a little easier when you're like, honey, how about a year on the beach? How's that sound? Oh, yes, there's shopping and everything. How's that sound? And let's set aside the older, more mature married men. If you're a young person in the U.S. military... And you're offered a post in the Philippines where the beer is basically free and the women are hot if you're into that sort of thing. 
It's not you don't exactly have to twist arms to get that done either. It became a military hub and there was a great relationship there between MacArthur and our military and the Filipino people. What I'm saying is leading up to World War II, this was not a contentious relationship at all. We loved them and they loved us. It was awesome. And then Japan came. And I realize you probably have been listening for quite a while, but we continue to pick up affiliate after affiliate after affiliate, which means we have new listener after new listener after new listener. So we're going to have to do a brief background on the Japanese. By the way, speaking of affiliates, let's give a shout out today to the great WDYZ in Orlando, one of our favorites right there. The Japanese leading up to World War II, well... It was a great time and and a bit of a rough time. We're going to explain that here in a little bit. And Rush Limbaugh's greatest quotes in his legacy. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. I hate beats. I can't possibly express to you how much I despise the taste of beets. I can't even smell beets. And when I was first told, because somebody told me about Super Beets Heart Chews, about how good they are for you and things like that, and I blew them off. I'm not eating anything that tastes like beets. And my buddy said, no, listen, listen, try them. Try one. He swore to me they taste nothing like beets. They taste nothing like beets. I have pomegranate berry. That's my favorite flavor. They have super grapes now. It is good for you, and it doesn't taste like beets. 100% natural, not medication. Take care of your heart and blood pressure by eating two fruit snacks every day. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. That's getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. And get this, you buy two bags, the third is free. We are going to get in trouble today. We have agonized over playing this one soundbite, but it's a great one. And we're going to get in trouble. I would guess about 40, 45 minutes from now. So you better soak up the old Battle of Manila story because this one might be our last. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Give me your questions. You can call live tomorrow. You can leave a voicemail. If we're off the air, I'll, I'll, I'll go for those. You can email, and I know many of you already have. We're setting them aside. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. For you new ones, we screw off on Fridays here on the Jesse Kelly Show. All week long, there's enough bad news and bad stuff that happens and ugly stuff out there. On Fridays, I read your email questions as a doctor who has almost three years of community college credits. And 
I give you answers. They don't have to be about politics. They can. It can be history, men, women, food, stupid survival scenarios. Almost undoubtedly every week there's an animal fight, like who would win. (laughs) Almost undoubtedly I'll be placed in some kind of animal fight. And you know what? That's fine, too. On Friday, we kick back and have a good time on this show. Back to the lead-up to Manila. Japan was, I do not want to call it backward. Frankly, if I wasn't such a fan of the Japanese people and Japanese culture, I would call it backward because I'm a jerk. But because I'm a fan, I will just simply say they were not advancing like the rest of the world because they were such an insular society. I want you to think about, you know, time of the samurai, that kind of stuff. They just weren't, they weren't trading with the outside world. They were cut off, so they weren't advancing. They got a real bad wake-up call. Uh-oh, we better advance or we're going to get taken over. They choose just on sheer force of will, called the Meiji Restoration, they choose to advance their nation all of a sudden. They send people all over the world to find out how all the best people are doing everything, industry, military, everything, and they bring it all back to Japan, and they just do it. And now what we have is something really awesome and something really terrible at the same time. What you have by the 1900s, the early 1900s, is a nation wealthy, powerful, Strong, strong military. I'm talking holding their own against the other other major powers of the world, Russia and whatnot. Strong military. These people are set, but with more of an older, ancient world sensibility. What do I mean by ancient world sensibility? Look, we talk a lot about the Mongols on this show and Alexander the Great and all these, these different conquerors. And what have you heard me say a thousand times when I talk about sieges and conquers and things like that? When a city falls, laying siege to a city, when a city falls, there, that city is sacked in really, really, really ugly ways. Because you and I can't see pictures of uh, the Mongols sacking some city somewhere because it was pre-photographed. We don't have it burned into our memories But the entire history of mankind is armies sacking a city, taking over a territory, and doing absolutely horrible things to the people who were there. Sometimes the lucky ones got to die. That's just the way it was. The things done to the women, the children, I'm not going to go into it. Like I said, it's it's too ugly. That's how warfare has always been conducted in the history of the world. And here you have Japan, early 1900s. They have advanced so much as a society in every possible way, except for that whole the world's sensibilities have changed when it comes to war thing. That's still how the Japanese conducted warfare. When they took over, they would do whatever they wanted to you and did often and enjoyed it. There were, I mean, I don't know how many of these old-timers are left now, but remember this. Our World War II veterans, I have had the pleasure of hanging with these guys a lot at various things. So many of my guys who fought in Italy or Germany or whatnot, they have either had, like, reunions with German troops or or Italian troops or stuff. They'll talk about They'll go back and visit. 
I have, I don't think I've, shoot, I don't think I've talked to one veteran of the Pacific Theater who would even visit Japan. A deep hatred there of the things they saw, uh, of things that were done. Now let's go back to Manila. Beginning of the war, we get run out of the Philippines. Not going to go into all that today, but Japan takes over the Pearl of the Orient. And they think, because they're just people get so out of touch sometimes, not that we'd ever see that today, but they think they're going to be welcomed by the Filipino people. Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm Asian, and you're Asian? We ran out those dirty Americans? Aren't, shouldn't we be friends? But the Filipino people didn't want that at all. They said, I don't, I don't care that you're Asian. The, the Americans and I were getting along great. You're brutalizing us. We hate you, hate you. And so, again, to their credit, the Filipino people decided they were not just going to lay down and take this Japanese occupation, which turned out to be three years, three years. The Japanese take over Manila. You can imagine what that's like, the, the atrocities they committed, the things they did to the Filipino people. But the Filipino people began almost immediately a guerrilla insurgency. They would routinely ambush the Japanese. The Japanese were always trying to hunt down these underground insurgent units. The Filipino people would hunt down the Filipino businessmen who collaborated with the Japanese in order to make life easier. Not that we would see anything like that in the United States of America today. We would never see American corporations siding with the enemy because it's easier, right? That wouldn't happen. But the Filipino people fight back. And remember at the beginning of the show when I said there were a bunch of American citizens there? A bunch of you know, businessmen, businessmen's families, army personnel. The Japanese swept into Manila so fast that many of our people didn't have a chance to get out. And the Japanese obviously brutalized the Filipino people. They would brutalize anybody who, who was a prisoner of war. But... They weren't as terrible to many of the civilians, American civilians in Manila because they weren't fighters. They didn't, they, when they surrendered, they were just civilians who were there. And the Japanese weren't sure what to do with them. They didn't treat them well, but they weren't torturing them to death either. So what they did was they put them in a place called Santo Damas. And I actually should do a whole show on Santo Damas one time. It was a campus where they stuffed all the American businessmen, the American businessmen's families, army nurses, Navy nurses, and just put them in this area. And what they did was they didn't, you know, kill them and torture them, but they bound them in there like it was a prison and essentially said, you're on your own. Goodbye. Have fun. You're not allowed to leave. And it's really one of the cooler tales. I sh I'm going to do a totally separate show on it another time. The American civilians there just started their own government. They started their own government. They had schooling for children. They had medicine. They had golf lessons because they were golf bros. They're the Americans just decided, well, I guess we're going to make this place America then. It's really cool. Santo Tomas, highly recommend you look it up. All right, I'm going to try to wrap this up because we have so much to get to today, including... 
Democrats losing the suburbs? Hang on. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Wait a minute, proving me, not myself. <laughs> I, sound like a, I sound like one of these idiots. All right, I have a poll here proving me to be right, so you know I'll be talking about that shortly. Anti-racist math being pushed from, oh, look at that. Bill and Melinda Gates, what a shock. <laughs> All right, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Remember, I'm also on Locals, and that's the place I can't be kicked off. I will be kicked off the others probably soon, so you can always find me there. I'll try to connect with as many of you as humanly possible. Now, Manila. It's bad. The Japanese occupation is bad, and not just because of the things they do to the Filipino people. The Japanese are... Just think about what it takes to run any major city. What it takes to be uh, to run the infrastructure of any major city in peacetime, right? In peacetime, how often are there little mini disasters all over the place in a major city? There's a trash disaster. I mean, I'm staring out right now. I'm staring out the window at Houston. Half the city's dark because there's a power disaster. There's always something going wrong when you stack that many people in one area. Life happens. Things are going to things are going to go bad, right? That's in peacetime, now you are an occupying military force. The city itself, while you're thrilled you have it, is not a huge priority to your war effort, so you're not exactly pouring money and resources into it, nor do you have a lot of money and resources as the war goes on. Remember, Japan didn't have the resources. That's part of the reason they started the war to begin with. And this, by 1945, remember, we're talking the end of the war here, you really don't have anything. The city is absolutely dysfunctional in a complete state of disrepair. Uh, China comes in and takes over a major city where you live. But they're fighting a bunch of wars in other places. In three years, what do you think the 
transportation situation would be like in the city? What do you think the food supply situation would be like in the city? Remember, you're a POW. China is running everything. How do you think things are working out for you? It's a disaster. It's a human rights disaster. People are starving. Civilians are starving. Our own people in Santo Domas are going hungry. People are selling rats. There are stories of people selling children. It's, it's really, really bad. And America starts moving through the Philippines. Remember Douglas MacArthur, when he got run out of the Philippines, famously said, I shall return. And this is his triumphant return. He has to take Manila. He thinks, turns out very stupidly, he thinks initially the Japanese are essentially going to back out of Manila. They had about 17,000 men in Manila. He thinks they're going to back out and fight somewhere else and let him have it. The Japanese have other plans. The Americans find a battle plan the Japanese had somehow lost or left laying around And there was something on that battle plan for the defense of Manila that creeped them out, and it would be creepy. You see, by now, the Americans knew how the Japanese fought. They knew how ferocious they were. They find the Manila battle plan, and they see all these things about defending here and defending there, and that's going to be a problem. But you know what they don't see? They don't see any route of escape for the Japanese. And they immediately, by this point in the war, know what that means. Every single man in Manila plans to die here. And this is a major city. A major city. So, the Americans have to make a choice. And choices are so difficult so often in life. We like to teach our kids, you know, there's right and wrong. and there's, and Obviously, there is right and wrong. I'm not saying there's not, but so much of life is gray and poor choices. This is this beautiful city. MacArthur has all these American troops ready to go in. You know the Japanese are dug in in there in some way. You don't know how dug in, but you know you have to go take it. You know there are a bunch of innocent Filipino civilians in there. How do you handle explosives if you're an American? Well, there's an apartment complex right there. Uh, There's definitely some Filipino citizens in there. It's right next to a building where Japanese troops are dug in. We could drop some bombs from the air on the Japanese troops. You're going to kill some of those civilians almost undoubtedly. But you say to yourself, okay, we can't do that. We shouldn't do that. Those people are innocent. And you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong. But understand what you've just done. You've just guaranteed American troops will die who didn't have to die. MacArthur initially says, no, no bombs, no artillery. And his men start riding him about it. Buddy, you understand what that means? No bombs, no artillery. Are you out of your mind? And they start giving him the business about it. MacArthur finally relents. And look, the truth is we wrecked that city. In order to get the Japanese out. There's a, there's a huge fight almost in the beginning that takes place. How wild would this be? In the baseball stadium. The Japanese were dug in under the bleachers. And the Americans are out on the baseball field trying to get to the Japanese under the bleachers. The Americans had built these buildings. Huge concrete rebar buildings. Like government buildings. Like a post office and legislature and things like that. And you can go see pictures of them to this day. 
and the Japanese would plan on this horrible siege, dying to the last man. They go to the bottom of these buildings and drill wells into the floor so they could have water, so they could hold out as long as possible. This was the fiercest urban fighting in all of the Pacific theater, the Battle of Manila. And the Japanese, they set up all the, I mean, these are people who had mastered, mastered horror. They had mastered creating terror for their enemies by the things they had done and the way they conducted themselves. And so they had booby traps, mines absolutely everywhere. They would set up all these obstacles, turned over trucks and the concrete blocks in the streets so you couldn't go down the streets. The Americans would have to fight from building to building and blow holes in the walls of the building to try to get through to the other ones. And we're, we're losing so many guys in these buildings because uh, we talked about building fighting yesterday. We're having to flamethrow Japanese soldiers down. a. You ever shoot a flamethrower down a hallway? Ever burn somebody to death? And the Japanese are conducting themselves. There's no defense of it. There's no defense of it. You know I'm a fan. But they conduct themselves like monsters. Almost as petty revenge, they start taking out the inevitable loss of the city on the civilians. They had a hospital there that served as a, I mean, I don't. you know I don't like to use the word on the show. It served as the basically official headquarters where Filipino women were brought and abused. Remember that room full of heads I talked about in the beginning? I didn't make that story up. The Japanese would go to the more well-to-do neighborhoods, upper middle class neighborhoods, the Filipino ones. They would just storm in all the houses, obviously take the women, take any fighting age male because they didn't want they didn't want these American loyal fighting age males turning against them as the Americans came, blindfolded them all, took them all to a house took them up to the second floor where there was a hole in the floor and they hung them over this hole in the floor and decapitated all of them. And the Americans are discussing, and these are Americans who had seen horrible things before. When they're taking the city, they're walking into homes like this and imagine that feeling, walking into a home and seeing a room full of heads. They filled up the room full of heads. They had to move to another building full of heads. It will not come as a shock to you. One of the Japanese commanders in charge of all this was one of, I believe he may have been the first guy put on war crimes trial. He was hanged immediately after or hung. I went to community college. I don't understand how to use basic words. Hang on. We're going to wrap this up and then pay homage to Rush real quick. Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived in Philadelphia. Local time is 3.05 p.m. and the temperature is 67 degrees. At this time, you are now free to use your cellular devices. 
You know that feeling when you get to turn your phone on after the plane lands? You can have that feeling every time you drive. Make sure your cell phone is stowed away whenever you are behind the wheel. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Life is all about choices. And don't let anybody lie to you, kids. They're not always easy choices to make. They're just not. They're not always clean. There's not, and I say this again for the people in the back. And I say this specifically to the suburban soccer moms who I'm going to talk to very directly here shortly. There's not a clean way to win a war. You understand that Americans, as they were cleaning out Manila from from the Japanese scourge that had been abusing them so horribly, you understand that Americans did and saw Terrible things to do that, right? You understand Americans came across dead civilians, women, children, who weren't killed by the Japanese. They were killed by American bombs. We don't like to think about that. I don't either. It's not like I like to dwell on something like that. But hard choices, hard, horrible things That's not the exception. That's life. Half the time you come back from some horrible place and people talk about, you know, PTSD or struggling with things. Half the time, because you don't feel great about stuff you had to do. That's life. Remember that. Now, Rush Limbaugh. Let's talk about this for a moment because I've seen a lot of things over the last 24 hours and I need to correct some things. Rush Limbaugh was not the greatest radio guy ever. He was the greatest there will ever be. There will never be another Rush Rush Limbaugh. I don't believe it's humanly possible. There, there There are things that are, there are once in a lifetime talents out there. You don't, I mean, even his voice was perfect. Chris, you know what? Pull up any Rush Limbaugh clip. I don't care. Who has a voice like this? That This is something God just made you for. Like, like God, God made Rush Limbaugh sound like that. You can't. Who sounds like this? People talk to me about my voice. I never thought I had a good voice. People talk to me about it. I, I don't. It's not in the same league as this freaking guy. Do you have it, Chris? You have something from Rush? As a right-wing guy. Earned him a national... Wait, we need segregated buses. This Obama's America. The NFL all too America. I mean, he just, it was awesome, man. And the way he related to the average dude, the working man. Rush Limbaugh educated not a generation, two generations of Americans on what we should believe, on how we should conduct ourselves. And do you know that Rush Limbaugh 
used to go in places because he was just stupid rich by the end, as he should be. He was worth every penny. You know he used to go in places and eat a meal and tip a waitress $10,000? Do you know Rush Limbaugh used to do that? Oh, of course, he didn't advertise that. But that's the kind of person that guy was. There is no conservative media without Rush Limbaugh, period. There's not. I don't care if you're in this business and you hate him, whether you're on the right or on the left. This business is full of petty, jealous people, like any industry is. And like any industry is, like we've talked about before. Women, because they're judged on their appearance more than men, are petty and gossipy and horrible to each other over things like appearance. But there's a flip side of that coin. Men, because men are judged on their professional success, are petty and gossipy and jealous based on other guys' professional success. You run into somebody in this business who doesn't like Rush Limbaugh, it's because that guy wants to be Rush Limbaugh and can't. Period. End of story. Why do people hate Tom Brady? Completely nice guy. Gives back. You hate Tom Brady because he's won like 9,000 Super Bowls and he's married to a Brazilian lingerie model and he looks really happy. That's why you hate Tom Brady because you want to be Tom Brady. But I want to address this part of the Rush Limbaugh thing as I wrap this up here because we've got a bunch of stories we want to get to. I understand when somebody dies like Rush, people run to to be online now. They want to be on social media. I want to see what they're saying on uh, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever or whatever whatever social media site you prefer. And obviously, the communists in America were terrible yesterday, saying the worst things you can possibly imagine. Rush this and rush. this is a great day. He's burning in hell. I mean, all these, all these horrible things. Which all oh, that's that's predictable too. But what I saw bothered me. Not their comments. The right's reaction to their comments. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, this oh turn off social media today. I can't handle this. This is the ugly side of humanity. Oh, people are so terrible. Do you want to know the truth? You really want to know? I'm going to tell you. Hang on. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. 
Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. about all that hate and stuff, here's what it is. It shouldn't get you down for a couple reasons. One, you should understand that's what the communists think about you, period. This is not a surprise to anybody hearing my voice right now because you hear me talk about it time and time again. America's communists are no different than communists have always been, and they are perfectly happy if you die because you're a heretic. That's one. Two, You had better make enemies like that in your life. When I die, when they're dancing in the streets on my grave, you had better watch and celebrate because that's what I want. I want these scumbags to hate me as much as they hate him. That's what I want. That's a dream. Make the right enemies in this life and then make dang sure they hate you. These people are trash. Good. They hated Rush. Make sure they hate you. All right. It's time to talk about suburban soccer moms. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Do not worry about terrible things people say when a huge person on the right dies. Just live the kind of life that will ensure they're saying those things about you too. That's the goal. Enemies are fine. Just make sure they're the right enemies. If the American communists hate your guts... You are doing something right. Keep going. Keep going. Don't worry about all that nonsense. No big deal. No big deal. These people are terrible. They want you dead. All right? I'm not not trying to, to be over the top about it. I'm really not. But even if they don't openly want you dead, which many of them do, they don't care if you die. I mean, especially if you have to die in pursuit of communism. I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe maybe you've heard some history stories on this show or other places. Communists are really okay with people dying in pursuit of communism. In fact, it's pretty much part and parcel of communism. <laughs> it's, a, it's a basic tenet of it. Remember, remember Mao's show? Well, I did a couple Mao shows because it was too much to go through. Remember the Great Leap Forward? I still... I still try to wrap my mind around this, and I say this to you, as you know, 
I say this to you as a sociopath. I am an uncaring, unfeeling jerk. I know that about me. And even me, I think about someone like Mao murdering his people by the million. By the million. And remember, they were lying to the people. Mao was getting real reports. Mao knew what was going on. By the million, starving people to death. Pregnant women. Kids. Old people. I mean, look, even a jerk like me has a special heart for a pregnant woman. It's a pregnant woman, man. Sacred. He's starving them to death by the million. Didn't bat an eye. It just was not a big deal. Well, yeah, I, 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 no, I get there are millions, but, well, this is what we have to do for communism. I don't know. What, what's the problem? That's what you do for communism. Yeah, some people are going to die. It's no big deal. What kind of, what kind of psychology is that? And by the way, I should say, Jewish producer Chris and I were having another heavy conversation during the break, and he asked a question. Going to have to put this out there to the fellas. I know what the female response is going to be, but ladies, you're welcome to respond to. Chris asked a hard question, and I've been thinking about it. Think about it. Rachel Maddow, MSNBC host. She kind of hot. She kind of hot. I'm not, look, I don't mean to make everybody uncomfortable, but right now there's some dude listening with his wife, and he's squirming in his chair because he knows what I'm talking about. Something there. There's something there. But, well, I don't know. You know, here, I'll, I'll say it to you this way. Because I have this conversation with my wife all the time. Here, ladies, I'm about to make you all feel better. At least I hope I will. I have had to do a bunch of TV stuff. You know, I do a TV show every single day. 9 p.m. Eastern, every night. I'm right. It's a one-hour TV show. It's on The First. You can get The First TV on your, it's on Pluto TV, Apple TV. It's an app on your smart TV. It's on your phone, whatever. So I've done that, and I've done a million different TV appearances on Fox News and CNN and all these others. I'll be on Tucker Carlson Monday night, Monday night. So I know what this is like, and I've been to all the headquarters, the ones in New York and D.C., and there's several little satellite offices, and I've just I've done all these things. You need to hear me, ladies. I've tried to explain this to my wife, and she thinks I'm being a jerk when I'm trying to actually be nice. She'll see an actress of some kind. And she'll say something like, oh, she is gorgeous. And I will look to her and I will say, oh, you're better looking than she is. And I'm not saying that to be nice because you know I'm not nice. I'm trying to explain to her, you really, really, really do not understand the magic that can be created with professional makeup, professional wardrobe, professional lighting, and the reason I say this is the most beautiful people on TV. You see them all over the place. I mean, every look, look at your no, local newscast, especially if you're in a major city. Here in Houston, oh, my gosh. You turn on the local news, it, it looks like they're all supermodels. The dudes are, the dudes are all chiseled jaw and perfect here. The ladies are stunners. And you, you see all these people and you think to yourself, okay, am I the ugliest person on the planet of the earth? I mean, that's what Jewish producer Chris says. I obviously know I'm better looking than all of them. What, Chris? In all seriousness, though, you see these people and you think, oh, the best. Thing. 
You don't understand. I have seen these people, all of them, backstage when the professional lighting is gone and the makeup is gone. And are there some beautiful people? You bet. I'm not denying that at all. So many of the people, though, you think are just stunning. And I could I could never look like that. The ladies will say, so, woman, you're probably better looking than that person. Give a professional makeup artist, professional lighting artist, 10 minutes with you. You look better than her. And when it, when it comes to lighting... Like I have a I have a TV studio where I do my show and it's in my own TV studio. I mean, it's not I don't own it. My company set up a TV studio for me to do my TV show. It took a team to light the room. A team of dudes. That's how it works on TV. You don't now. I'm mean, obviously you're seeing more and more of this because uh, of of the way TV's going to Zoom and stuff like that because all this idiotic coronavirus stuff. But don't think for one second. You sit down in a chair and someone just turns a spotlight on your face or something like that. You should see just my TV studio alone. There's stuff in there. I don't even know what it does. There's there's a light here and a light there, but there's a weird light on the side. Oh, and this one has a screen. Wait, this one has a foil. It's not letting the light through, but it's kind of letting the light through. But wait, they have a piece of off-colored paper on this light. It is that complicated. It's that complicated. They work with things and work with things and work with things to make you appear perfect. Now, granted, what you see on TV is me being perfect. But in all everyone else, though, it's definitely the lighting and stuff. What, Chris? What? Seriously, though. Don't be intimidated by what you see on there. Don't. Professional makeup, professional lighting, goes a long, long, they can work absolute miracles when it comes to that stuff. Miracles. There's one dude, I obviously won't call him out because I would never do this anyway. It would be so low class. There's a dude on Fox News. I actually don't know if he's there anymore. He might still be there. I don't know. But he was a dude definitely some time ago. You would know. You would certainly know if I were to drop his name. I ran into him on the sidewalk. And I walked by him, and I accidentally stiffed him because I didn't even recognize him. And he turns and says, Jesse. And I looked, and it took me a second, and I'm worried to this day that he knows it took me a second because I had never seen him off camera before. He looked like he was dying. And this would be a guy that, that, that the ladies would be swooning over on TV. What have I always told you? None of what you see is real. It's all a show. It's all a production. Don't take too much into it. I think about this a lot because I have a buddy with two teenage daughters. And he says, man, and he's a good dad. He's one of these guys who's a good dad. He's not a perfect human being. He's a good dad. Loves his girls. But he says, I struggle all the time with trying to get them some self-confidence with how they look. And I mean, he's got, his wife's hot, so his daughters are hot. He's a good-looking dude. They're good-looking girls. They're going to be beautiful girls. He said they think they're freaking ugly because of all this stuff they see on TV. Ladies, it ain't real. Take it from me. I have no idea how I got distracted with that, but we're finally going to get to Suburban Moms. Maybe. Hang on.
The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. Home title theft is sweeping the country. Cybercrime, right now, cybercrime is up 75%. 75% since all the coronavirus lockdown stuff started. These cyber criminals are out there perfecting their craft while everyone is at home. Your home title is online. Because it's online, they can hack it easily. They can forge your signature on it, take it to a lender, take a loan out against it, and you will have to pay that loan back. Go get home title lock so it doesn't happen to you. You don't want this happening to you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address. See if you're already a victim of it. While you're there, sign up. It's easy. Sign up. And look, I'm going to save you a little bit of money. Use the promo code RADIO. That gets you 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. I'm on Locals. Remember, that's the place I can't get kicked off. We have Emerald Robinson from Newsmax coming up here in about 10 minutes. She's actually in those press conferences and asking questions, and they're calling on her, and Emerald's just slaughtering people right now. I can't wait to ask her about that. Chris is over here during the break telling me about the technical things I was just trying to describe to you about the lighting in the room. And he's like, oh, this is what the colored paper is called and stuff like that, as if I care. I don't care about that stuff. He's such a nerd when it comes to details like that. he'll, He'll try to talk to me about audio stuff like this too, as if I have any interest or know what I'm doing at all. Oh, did you get the one mic receiver with the HC megahertz? I don't know. I have a microphone in a chair. I sit down and talk into it. I don't know all this nerd stuff, Chris. <laughs> Rachel Maddow is kind of hot, though. I don't know what it is. Yeah, in a weird look, in a weird way. I'm not saying she's a. I'm not saying she's some dime. There's something weirdly hot there. Email. Remember, tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Send in your questions. If I haven't gotten to your questions in the past, it could be a couple different things. One, your question might have sucked. Or two, I'm getting to it. I haven't thrown them away. Just know that I don't throw them away. I still have a stack of them here. What I need to do, tell you what we need to do, Chris. Just thought of this on the air because I'm such a special radio talent. I can just think on the fly like that. What? We need to do like an Ask Dr. Jesse week where we just go through the pile and try to clean it up. (laughs) Maybe we'll do that later. But I have this email. Okay, you need to do a show on D-Day. I don't care if you spend it between if you spend between now and June researching or let's be honest, have Jewish producer Chris do the research. I don't mind waiting, but I want to hear you explain what those men did there that day. I think we could all use a reminder how blessed we are to descend from those studs. By the way, I love that you moved to Texas and got slammed with snow. Suck it, Montana man. (laughs) For one, that's not very nice. That's not very nice. Two. 
I've never done a D-Day show. I actually didn't realize until this email that I had never done a D-Day show. People oftentimes want me to do a show on a subject they already know about, which is very fascinating. I, I, it's very flattering, I guess I should say, that, that you want me to do a show on a subject you already know about. I guess I've never done D-Day because I assumed everybody knew about D-Day. I mean, how many things have you seen or read about D-Day? Right, Chris? Am I wrong there? They know what happened, but they don't know the details. You know, that may be true. Maybe I will do a D-Day show that it's ne- next week because it was – I just can't – the thing about D-Day is you look at the casualty numbers of it and you think, well, I mean, how does this even come close to stacking up against this battle or that battle? I mean, like when we talked about the, the Battle of Manila today, you know 100,000 civilians plus died in the Battle of Manila? 100,000. That's double the amount of people we lost in the Vietnam War, that one little battle, that one little aspect of it. But you look at the D-Day numbers and people think, ah, maybe it wasn't as bad or as big as the others. Realize that I believe, and I'm doing this, shoot, I'm doing this on the fly, so I might screw up some details here. I believe there were five different landing spots. The Brits had some. We had some. I think the Canadians had another one, if memory serves me right. I may have that wrong. And, yeah, some of them were quiet. But on the bad spots, there were entire units gone, wiped out. Entire units. Do you know what that's like? You land on the beach with 100 men. You leave the beach with two. That's that's astounding. You and I, and I hope we never have to experience this, you and I have never had to experience a unit being so wiped out they simply disband the unit. It just doesn't exist anymore. Oh, I was with uh, 1st Battalion, 7th Marines, like I was out of 29 Palms. Oh, we tried to uh, storm the beaches in Normandy. There aren't any guys left. We're just we're going to do away with 1st Battalion, 7th Marines because they're all gone. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. See, I'm getting distracted now, Chris. Another email. Dear Oracle. I live in San Pedro Sula, Honduras, Central American capital of the caravans and China Joe's base for absentee ballots. My question as a restaurateur, I own two chicken wing joints in Tegliplapa, Honduras. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. And I'm suffering because of lockdowns. These idiots over here are keeping us from going out and enjoying life. But that's another story. It's about nachos. By the way, without even reading the rest of this email... I want to own chicken wing joints in Honduras. What? How sweet would it be, one, to own a chicken wing joint, two, to have one in Honduras? You travel down there for vacation. You mow on your wings. You talk with your waitstaff, how they have all these little Honduran people around you. I bet you it's a blast. Tropical drinks. Why are you sneering at it? You do not, do you not like chicken wings? You don't want to go to Honduras? I, I, see, the thing is, the tropics are nice. Now, Central America can be rough, but the tropics are so nice. And your money, look, I, I, of all things, I'm surprised that you don't want to go there because your dollar goes forever. You won't have to hardly spend a dime. Chris, it's basically perfect for you. All right, continuing. In my understanding, nachos are a Tex-Mex delicacy and vetted in Texas with Mexican influences. Therefore, the Mexican part has to include heat in the dish Therefore, jalapenos are a must. Please share your wisdom with all of us. 
and take a stance on those people that dare order nachos without the jalapeno. If nachos are missing jalapeno, they shouldn't be called nachos. He says, maybe gachos. <laughs> Please read this question on your show and give me a reason to crack open a sweet bottle of tequila to listen to the po- uh, podcast with my buddies. One, hear me out, you people who do not live in Texas or any place with a, any kind of a Mexican influence. You need to not be intimidated by jalapenos. Look, especially the pickled kind if you don't want to go fresh. Jalapenos are not that hot. They're they're warm. They're not that hot. Yeah, there's some. What's that heat index of the peppers called, Chris? Look at Scovel. The Scovel. The Scovel heat index. They're not that hot. They are an incredible flavor. You can dice up jalapenos. Put jalapenos in anything. They put them on cheeseburgers down here, and they're so good. We put them on pizza down here all the time. Have like a, a pepperoni and jalapeno pizza. Oh, my gosh. It's phenomenal. And you dice up the pickled ones or just get a jar of already diced up pickled ones. Drop a little spoonful of those in your scrambled eggs in the morning. Oh, sweet Moses. It's so good. Jalapenos are obviously a must for nachos, no question about it. But this is why our Mexican food is better in Texas. And there's a lot of history here. But because you know Texas has been owned by like every different country. Spain, Mexico, everything. Mexicans in Texas, like the Texican-Mexican connection is real. It's just an integral part of our culture. So our Mexican food is better. There's In so many other places I've lived even, there's like a separation between and this is pretty normal. Uh, people separate by cultures. There's like a real separation between the Mexican part of town or Mexicans and then this part of town, the white part of town, then the black part of town. In Texas, there's a lot of overlap there. There's just a ton of overlap there. It's, it's part of the culture. That's why our Mexican food is so superior to every other state's. Don't write me Californians. Don't write me Arizonans. I've lived there. I respect you and your Mexican food. It does not compare to Tex-Mex. It does not compare. It can't be. All right. We have to talk to Emerald Robinson about what it's like asking a question of Jennifer Saki. Hang on. Super Beats Heart Shoes. Listen to me. There's no easier way to give your heart and your blood pressure the boost they need, the healthy boost they need. I'm not here telling you to go sign up for that super special fitness class and work out 19 hours a day. Is that what I'm saying? No. I'm not telling you to eat nothing but broccoli and pine nuts the rest of your life. I'm not saying that. All I'm asking you to do is start eating two Super Beats heart chews every single day. Look, they combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, a grape seed extract. It's better for your blood pressure. It's better for your heart. This is not medicine. It's all natural. It's healthy. It tastes great. It's easy. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags. They'll throw in the third for free.
order that the president signed last week. He also suspended a Trump administration executive order that was particularly aimed at keeping foreign countries, specifically China, from interfering in the U.S. power grid. But he suspended that for 90 days in that executive order last week. Given what you said about China today, why did he do that, especially related to something so critical to our national security as the power grid? I'll have to. I think the president's view on, on our relationship with China, I, I uh, tried to do my best to convey to all of you. I'll have to check on that specific piece, and we'll, we'll circle back with you directly. She is going to circle back with the great Emerald Robinson of Newsmax. <laughs> Emerald, did you ever get a circle back answer on that question? I know this is going to surprise you, Jesse, very much, but I have not. That I haven't heard is, any more about it. That is such a shock. Will you break down, I mean, briefly, break down China and our power grid? Because I think a lot of people actually don't know about this. Well, the concern is actually that they provide a lot of uh, supply mm-hmm. for the power grid. Or, you know, there's a question of how much our power grid materials touch China. So the the um, Trump administration was very concerned about that. They did an executive order in, I believe it was May of last year, 2020, uh, addressing just not China specifically, but any trying to combat any kind of foreign interference in our power grid, which, of course, was largely pointed at China. And then in December, before leaving office, the Trump administration via the Department of Energy did a prohibitive order based on that executive order that was um, specific to China. Emerald, explain to me who has the hottest accent to women, Southern, European, Australian, because you were coming on, Jewish producer Chris and I were discussing whether Southern accents like yours are hotter than European accents, and there was an argument on the show. I need to know a woman's opinion. What we think is more attractive, Mm -hmm. this is such a segue from China and the power grid. Yes, Um, (laughs) ma'am. You know what? This is really tough because I like a really deep South draw. A lot, but then there's also the the British accent, which is not, they're not too far removed from one another, really. They're, you know, uh, they're it's not. I've always found that so odd. My wife says the same thing. The British accent on dudes drives her crazy. I think it sounds feminine. <laughs> That's what my husband said. But you know what? My husband doesn't really have you know either of those dialects naturally. He's from Southern California, and so. You know, he doesn't – it's pretty basic middle American standard standard dialect. But he can do every type of dialect. He's very gifted with that. So I'm I'm fortunate in that some days my, my husband can do a southern accent. Some days he's British. Oh, good call. <laughs> you basically married that chameleon chick from X-Men. That's awesome. All right. Emerald, in all seriousness – are you ever going to get to ask a question of Joe Biden himself? And look, I don't want I don't want to just blast away. Yeah. Is it normal for a president to have been in this long and not had to stand in front of someone like you and field questions? It is very odd. I mean, yes, he's only been in office uh, about a month and a couple of days. But already it's such a difference in the accessibility, the media accessibility to him. He is very protected. Even if you notice when he does have what we call pulled press, so the, the members of the press who are assigned to go into the restricted areas um, for the day in certain times to be around the president, 
and ask questions possibly. Even when they're in the Oval Office with him or at some other event, if you notice, he doesn't take questions from them. Remember, President Trump would stand there for a long time, mm-hmm. and or even other presidents would take a couple of questions. Joe Biden doesn't take questions. And I don't foresee any time, Jesse, in the near future where someone like me, because they've definitely changed the parameters of who is on property and who is allowed at certain press events, I don't see any time in the near future where I would have access to ask him questions is there i mean i know about the dc rumor mill and i'm not asking you to give anything away but is there really a feeling that he's not doing well is he doing well or they they have a total seal on that what do we know i I think that there's a lot of talk behind yes there's a lot of talk in dc that people probably wouldn't say on television or say openly Mm -hmm. and they are concerned. And the thing is, I was talking to a couple administration sources about the fact that Jen Psaki, you know, when she was at the State Department, I don't know if you remember that, Jesse, she had more command over the information and she seemed more confident. She's really struggling. And they said she just doesn't have that much access to him now, to get on, the answers. Hold on. And what? His own press secretary? That's what I was told. And they're suggesting it's out of fear of COVID, that he's extremely afraid of getting COVID, he and Jill, and that, you know, people just don't have much access to him and that they're not even having, you know, the usual people that would come over, officials from the Department of Homeland Security or other agencies to come and give briefs. I'm like, well, can't they just Zoom like everybody else in the country is doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, she needs the answers. She's flailing out there, and um, I don't necessarily think that's, you know, she's getting the flag for it, but I don't necessarily think that's her fault. I think that she is not given access to a lot of people and a lot of information, specifically the president himself. Then I heard, then I talked to somebody else, and they said there is a real legitimate question about what is Joe Biden doing all day? And they said it just doesn't appear to be much and said she doesn't have much to talk about because he's not doing much. But there are executive orders getting done. They are pushing pretty progressive policies behind the scenes. But the sentiment is that it's not necessarily Joe Biden doing it. Oh, boy. Okay, do we have a sense of who (laughs) is doing it? I mean, who is the person? Is it his chief of staff? Who who is the person, I mean, uh, you may have to guess, you Mm -hmm. think is really calling shots around? Is it Jill? No. Well, when I have spoken to people in D.C. who are very in the know, um, especially with the former Obama administration, it sounds like Susan Rice, who is now at the Domestic Policy Council at the White House, is very influential. Oh, that is that that is not good. (laughs) That is not good. I know that's not what you wanted to hear, but that is the sentiment. Okay, China. When it comes to China, everybody obviously is Mm -hmm. going to be looking at Joe Biden side eyed with everything he does when it relates to China because of their obviously terrible background with China. How good Mm -hmm. or bad has he been, in all honesty? Well, I mean, he he said a few things to make it sound like he's tough on China, but they're not tough on China. Look at well, look at what he said in the town hall the other night when it came down to he was asked about our he was talking about the Uyghur genocide in China, and he essentially said he doesn't talk to, to 
President Xi Jinping of China about stuff like that, that it comes down to cultural differences, uh, differences in cultural norms. And I, I just, I mean, conservative media picked up on it very quickly, but the media didn't cover it very much. But just like um, they killed the rule that would require uh, require schools to reveal any relationships with Confucius Institutes. Confucius Institutes are funded by the CCP. They're seen as a soft power effort to influence Americans in, in universities and in schools. Um, they did that. They're getting some pressure now from members of the Republican Party to actually reinstate that. It was a rule that was proposed. It didn't really make it through because it was at the end of the Trump administration. Um, just down to even the power grid state, there's a lot of signals. While he may say, oh, you know, we got to be competitive with China, what they're doing in far, as far as policy is sending huge signals to China saying, hey, we're, you know, we're playing ball with you. Not only that, anytime they're asked about their strategy, they're like, well, we're having patience. Oh, Jen Psaki has said this so many things, yeah. times now. We're not in a rush on our China policy. Well, considering they're, according, I mean, even Democrats now say they're our greatest national security threat. You probably should be aggressively pursuing a policy. Emerald Robinson, you are the best. Keep going after. We'll keep having you on, all right? Uh, it's good to talk to you, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. I, I Look, it, it's funny because nobody just wants to come out and say it, Chris. Joe Biden ain't running a thing. Joe Biden is old, going downhill. They've got him locked away in his room, putting logs on the fire, and some very bad people around him are running the country. That's not good. That's <laughs> not good. All right. Malcolm X. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. You know who's underrated? Malcolm X. Don't turn the radio off. 
I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the guy's life. I know he really toned things down at the end. It's part of what got him killed, that real rift between the Nation of Islam guys and him and whatnot. But I have always, I've always loved this clip of an early Malcolm X. I think there are many whites who act friendly toward Negroes. A fox acts, acts friendly toward the lamb. And usually the fox is the one who ends up with the lamb chop on his plate. The wolf doesn't act friendly. And therefore the wolf has more difficulty in getting the lamb chop in his plate. I'd like to point out, though, that... I, I, I say that because it is usually the... If you study the structure of the Negro community, economically, politically, civically, psychologically, and otherwise, it's controlled by the white liberal. Mm-hmm. who usually poses as the friend of the Negro, who actually differs from the white conservative in, in the same way that the fox differs from the wolf. Uh, their appetite is the same. Their motives are the same. It's only their mannerisms and, and methods that differ. Malcolm X crushing liberals. <laughs> Look, here's the truth of the matter. We talk a lot about racism, feminism, all these things, you know. This person's oppressed, and this person's oppressed, and this person's oppressed. That's all just cultural Marxism. Most of the people pushing it don't realize they're pushing a new form of communism. But the a lot of the people, they do. These leftists, people, the people who run things for the Democratic Party... Do you actually think they care about black people, the poor black community? Do you genuinely think they care about that? You see guys like uh, there's a hilarious video online. I post it sometimes of Chuck Schumer. You know, that old crotchety idiot in the Senate from New York, the senator from New York. There's an old video out there of him dancing at a gay pride parade. It is the most cringeworthy thing in the world. And there's another there's another video of him in a megaphone yelling, pride, pride, pride. Do you think Chuck Schumer cares about gay people or gay rights? You're all being used. You're all being used. I know a photo op when I see one. You know what? Speaking of photo ops, let's address this. There's a air fingers quote controversy going around right now. Now, this is one of those 12-hour controversies. It'll be gone. But the controversy is this. Obviously, everybody knows about the weather in Texas right now. We had this hard freeze. Hardly ever happens here. Power grid is down. People are freezing to death. It is genuinely not good. I told you yesterday on my way to work, not making this up, driving through my town, all the streetlights are off. All the businesses are dark. Like they don't even have the lights on that they normally have because they've rationed off the power from commercial to residential. And even the streetlights are dark. It's, It's generally not a good situation. Now the water treatment plants are failing. So we're under a boil water order. It's, it's really, it's really not a good situation. And Ted Cruz was supposedly, we don't even have confirmation on this yet, supposedly caught on camera heading to Cancun. 
think this was yesterday he was caught. And people, even people on the right, lots of them, and maybe you too, people really genuinely care. They're mad about that. Now, I understand I am an unfeeling, uncaring jerk. I get that, but why would I care? Do do I expect Ted Cruz to come hand out firewood? What, for a 15-minute photo op? Is that supposed to actually help anything? It hurts everything. I don't want Ted Cruz here doing a photo op. I don't want Joe Biden here. Oh, we're just out here just helping the folks. It's horrible. I don't need a dog and pony show. I need people to go figure it out. And Ted Cruz does not run anything in the state of Texas. He is a senator. He represents our interests at the national level. This is up to the government, the state government. But people, including people on the right, they want to be told how much somebody cares about me. Why? I don't understand it. Why? Do you want to know the truth behind all these uh, photo ops and dog and pony shows you see? Do you really want to know the truth? I'm about to give you the skinny on it. Hang on a second. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Don't forget tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Get in your questions now or call live then or call and leave a voicemail. Also, the whole show is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's available on iTunes. Go leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We're up to like four or 500 of those reviews at this point. <laughs> and they're so funny. I They're so funny because I'll have like somebody who knows me, uh, relatives. I've had them reach out to me and say, hey, have you, have you seen your reviews on iTunes? Because they don't listen to the show regularly. And I'm all, yeah, why? What are you talking about? They're all talking about how handsome you are. Isn't it a radio show? <laughs> I'm always like, well, yeah, you wouldn't understand. All right. 
Here's a little backstory on dog and pony shows and the reality of them. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. So what are you talking about? How, what are you talking about? You're now going to override. We did it already. That's the law, an orange zone and a red zone. Follow the facts. I'm still confused. Well, then you're confused. I'm confused. And then I I'll tell you what, Jimmy. Still, parents are still confused as well. The schools oh, in They're not confused. Tomorrow. You're confused. This Cuomo situation gets more interesting by the day. You remember we had Michael Malice on yesterday. And we were both confused, and how often are we both confused? We were both confused why it seemed like the absolute wolves are coming for Cuomo right now. The left never turns on their own, ever. And they are tearing him to shreds. Multiple leftist media outlets, I mean, they're killing the guy. U.S. Attorney, I'm looking at a headline. FBI U.S. attorney in Brooklyn probing the Cuomo administration on nursing homes. And don't be a naive child and think, well, I mean, yeah, those are nonpartisan groups. Buddy, unless powerful people want Cuomo investigated by the FBI and the U.S. attorney, he ain't going to get investigated by the FBI and the U.S. attorney. That's the kind of broken, corrupt system we have now. You know, I'll get to that in a moment. Let's talk about dog and pony shows. Here's the truth. They hurt more than they help. Do you want to know what it's like in the military, in the Marine Corps? If we have the president of the United States coming to visit, it's a big deal, right? Look at at the president out there supporting the troops. This is a lot. Wow. Those guys must be so excited to meet the president of the United States. This must be the best day of their lives. He's over there showing he cares for them. Getting to talk to the man. Gosh, makes me feel patriotic. God bless America. Uh, Would basically be the worst thing ever. The worst thing ever. You want to know what it's really like? I'm giving you all kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff today. You want to know what it's really like? And right now, I'm going to have a million listeners who have been in the military looking at the radio right now and nodding as I talk. Because trust me, this is the story. If we get word that a VIP of any kind is coming, United States Senator, Big Shot General, Vice President, President of the United States, if you're a regular Marine... Here's how this works. Ring, ring. Guy in charge of the base, wherever you are, gets a phone call or an email. The president's coming in a month. Be ready. He hangs up the phone. 
And he says, oh, this sucks. He doesn't say it to anyone else. And then he immediately calls in all of his subordinates and says, the president of the United States is coming here in a month. He holds my career in his hands. I hold your career in my hands. This place will be the most spotless, well-run base in the history of mankind when that president gets here. Then all those subordinates go get the other subordinates, and they have the same conversation with them and with them and on and on down the line. What does that mean for me? It's just a normal grunt on the ground? Well, when I'm not out on patrol, getting shot and blown up, I'm back on the base having to iron my pants. I'm back on the base cleaning every waking moment. There was a story I got one time from a guy who said they got word that Ronald Reagan was flying over their base, not even landing on it. He was going to fly over it in a helicopter. They had the entire base on the rooftops, sweeping the rooftops so the rooftops would look clean. I have heard stories about guys having to go out and pick up the rocks over a certain size in the desert so the desert would look like pristine, you know, just a pristine thing of sand. Sweeping the desert. Have you ever done it? I have. Oh, we have an important guy coming along. Here's a push broom. Sweep the desert so it looks perfect for them. You're spray painting. You're fixing uniforms. You're doing, and you're spit shining your boots 10,000 times. So everything looks so unrealistically perfect that when the guy actually steps off the plane, none of it's real. Oh, and I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but you might get to meet the president. Why would I want to meet the president of the United States, even if he's one I loved, even if it was Donald Trump? You understand what it's like for a young Marine or, or a Marine of any level to meet a VIP, right? A general. Big shot, president, vice president. You don't understand what it's like? Here's what it's like. They ask you some random question. You must answer how great and perfect everything is. Then they leave. If you happen to screw up, give an honest opinion about something, look the wrong way, maybe fail to do some certain thing you should do, your life is now a living hell. It's it's no reward all risk. In fact, we had this happen multiple times, not with the president, but they would call us in. Oh, so-and-so VIP is coming. Who wants to meet so-and-so? No volunteers. You have a room full of Marines thinking, uh, I, I just want to be left alone. I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. I, I, I don't want to get in trouble with anybody. I don't want to deal with this mess. I want to be left alone. They would always have to pick people. Okay, you're coming, you're coming, and you're coming. And then the guy sitting there goes, oh, because he knows his stuff has to be extra special. These dog and pony shows, they actually take away from what should be done. I don't want Joe Biden here handing out bottles of water in Texas either. Why? Why would I want that? So the Secret Service can shut down huge sections of the highway to make sure Joe Biden is safe. So various people can be cut off from certain things so Joe Biden can hand out a bottle of water and pretend like he gives a crap. No, 
go back to Washington, D.C. and run things from there. That's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Now, back to this Cuomo thing. They are not letting up on him. We now have a Democrat state lawmaker. And keep in mind, we have an elected official from New York coming up in 15 minutes to talk to us about Cuomo. So we're going to give you all the inside baseball stuff today. But they, they are slaughtering Cuomo right now. And remember, I asked Malice about it yesterday. We couldn't figure it out. We could not, and I still can't figure it out. Here's what makes sense to me. This, because I, I was brewing on this last night, it, it's driving me crazy. I mean, normally, just understand human nature and you can figure things out. I couldn't figure it out. I was guessing it was something extremely, extremely personal done to somebody by Cuomo who was higher on the food chain than Cuomo. And in general, when I say higher on the food chain, I'm not talking about another politician in general. Sometimes it's another politician. In general, I'm talking about the money makers, the money guys, the billionaires who will fund your campaign the next time or make sure you can't find anybody to give you a dime the next time. I assumed it was something personal. Cuomo did something to the wrong guy, and now this guy's taking it out on him. Malice responds with this because he's been digging into it too. Current hypothesis is Kamala clearing the path. Karen Bass was under contention for VP, and then all these hit pieces came out to nip her in the bud. Other possibility is for AG Latita James to become governor in 2022. She's been making massive headlines. So you see what I mean? Everybody's under the same, the same impression right now. Somebody wants Cuomo out of the way. The question is who? Detective Kelly is on it. But Chris, also a bomb making mistake. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Let me tell you something about Super Beats. I was initially hesitant to try them. I had a friend tell me about them. Oh, you should try these Super Beats. Jesse, I know blood pressure problems run in your family. You should try Super Beats. And I told him, buddy, get beets away from me. Beets are disgusting. I can't stand the smell. I'm never going to do it. And he said, just try one. Just try one. They're delicious. <laughs> they don't they don't taste anything like beets at all. It tastes like you're eating dessert. You look, you take yours however you want them. I do mine. I eat two every single day with dinner time. I finish my dinner and that's my little uh, look, I'll be honest with you. That's my little dessert at the end of every day. I get to eat two super beets heart shoes. And how about that for a dessert? It tastes good and it's actually good for my heart, unlike that carrot cake. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags. They'll throw in a third for free.
of what I've found all through this crisis is, is people value the truth. You know, give me the information. Mm -hmm. Don't give me spin. Give me facts that don't change. Tell me the truth. The country hadn't bought enough dosages. They now are going to buy enough dosages. It's 600 million. It will take six months. That's the truth. Uh, and until we get there, we have to watch these new strains. And that's the truth. Uh, so it is going to be a long six months, especially after what we've gone mm -hmm. through. That's that is the truth. Uh, and uh, this state, uh, I'm very proud of what New Yorkers have done because they have rallied. We were ambushed like no other state, Nicole. And again, it was from federal incompetence. Yeah. Uh, incompetent government kills people. Incompetent government kills people. More oh, Andrew Cuomo. And the thing is, everybody knew about all the screw-ups Cuomo was making. The entire time, I mean, especially on the right, we were screaming about it. This dude's killing people. He has the highest death count, and they're giving him an Emmy. And now the leftist wolves are coming for him. This is not happening out of nowhere. All right, I promised you earlier I'd get to this. Remember, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday where we are going to have fun. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited for the story tomorrow. I'm so excited. You know what? I'm going to have to work on shortening that story tomorrow, Chris. We're going to have too many questions. It happens all the time, and you can't shorten that story. I may have to call an audible. I may have to call an audible. All right. Politico. Democrats worry the suburbs could return to the GOP fold if the schools close. According to this Politico story published today, this is from hotair.com, Democrats and Republicans are in agreement on something. The Biden administration is hoping to hold on to gains Democrats made in the suburbs during the 2020 election, but that's obviously dependent on returning to some sense of normal life to these areas before the next election. Meanwhile, Republicans recognize Democrats are failing to push for progress in at least one significant area that impacts suburban voters, reopening schools. Nearly a year into the pandemic, Biden's advisors and allies recognize they need to respond to the spiraling angst felt by, spelt, felt by families or risk driving them into the arms of waiting Republicans. I'm going to do the best I can to be nice here, but suburban moms are an absolute plague on the voting class of this country. You have got to start doing better, ladies. And this is what I mean by it. I don't expect anybody to look at things like Donald Trump said on, on, on Twitter and stuff like that. I don't expect anybody to look at that stuff and cheer. Okay? I mean, none of it bothered me because I'm a jerk. But I can't tell you, and I told you this before the election. I can't tell you how many times I would be at one of these suburban parties because we have them all the time in our neighborhood. Big crawfish boils and a Halloween party and whatnot. It's just a great neighborhood, great people. And we would be discussing things leading up to the election. And how many of the Republican household women were planning on voting for Joe Biden or in the very least were very out on Donald Trump 
because of Donald Trump's personality. I want my president to have a good personality too. We have much bigger fish to fry. If you voted for Joe Biden because you didn't like the mean tweets, then don't come to me now and complain because little Johnny's not back in school yet. You have to do better. You have to do better. Donald Trump lost the suburbs because Donald Trump lost suburban women who thought he was a rude jerk, which, of course, he is a rude jerk. I'm not defending that. The president of the United States of America, your senator, your governor, your whatever, these are not role models, especially not now. You had better start voting on tangible things or we are screwed. The suburbs of the United States of America voted for Joe Biden because he seemed like a nice old guy. Just a old Uncle Joe returning to normal. He's a corrupt scumbag politician who's been dirty as anybody for 50 years. But he seemed nice. Are you all out of your minds? Don't you dare come to me now and talk about buyer's regret for suburban moms. Go enjoy the Zoom calls, ladies. If you voted for Donald Trump, this obviously doesn't apply probably to most of the women listening right now, but if you voted for Donald Trump, not if you dis or if you voted for Joe Biden, I don't want to hear your complaints. I don't care. Now, if you disliked Trump and disliked the way Trump did a lot of things, that I totally get. That's fine. But if you took that dislike and did something tangible with it, which clearly a bunch of people did, because Trump had the burbs and then Trump lost the burbs, if you did something tangible with that, because Trump seemed so icky. Have fun with the kids at home. I don't have any sympathy for you at all. None. There. How's that for getting us in trouble, Chris? Look, I d- clearly people need to feel pain to wake up here. Whatever you think about the election and how much of it was legit and how much of it wasn't, half the country voted for Joe Biden. Half the country. Enjoy it now. Enjoy it. That's what you get. You don't like it? Do better next time. I still, I told you yesterday, I can't. I find it to be so bizarre. I don't have appropriate words to lay out that we took the guy who did a million and one awesome tangible things and tossed him out of the back like trash for the guy who's mentally melting into nothing and sucked before he mentally melted because of mean tweets. Is that what we are? Maybe it is. I see this outrage about Ted Cruz going to Cancun. Maybe it is. Maybe that's just who we are now. I need, no, I need Ted Cruz to be here because I need to see him on the nightly news tonight handing out firewood at the corner store. Why? Well, I need to, I want to see that. What do you, why, why do you want to see it? Well, it just looks better. No, 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 no. Why do you want to see it? What does that do for you? Tangible. Don't give me I want to see. Don't give me it makes me feel. 
Give me a what that does for you. See where I'm going with this? You see where I'm going with it? We've had this talk a million times. God forbid anything would ever happen to one of my boys, one of my sons. But let's say something does, car wreck or something. Got to have life-saving surgery. Do I care about the personality of the surgeon? I don't care if that guy just got done robbing five banks that morning. If you're the best in the world, go fix my son. I don't care if he has bad language. I don't care if he has a drinking problem, an infidelity problem, robs banks, and cusses at little old ladies. If my son's life is on the line, go get the surgery done. Give me the best in the world. Pull him out of maximum security prison if you have to. Operate on my son. All right, I had to get that off my chest. We have a New York politician who might be able to break down this Cuomo thing for us. Hang on. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. So what are you talking about? How, what are you talking about? You're now going to override. We did it already. That's the law. An orange zone and a red zone. Ooh, Cuomo. Now, this is a special treat for me because he's now a New York State Assemblyman. Kieran Lawler joins me now. But I knew this guy back before he was a big shot politician, but still he's been a Marine and a combat veteran. Kieran, it's been a long time, my brother. How in the world did you worm your way into the New York State Assembly? My good looks. Oh, my good luck. Got me in. I mean, it's radio, so you can't see how handsome I am with my bald head. But pretty handsome. Kieran, all right, I've got to ask you about uh, Cuomo. I find it odd, and maybe you can shed some light on this. I don't find it odd that he's a lion scumbag crook. That's not, that's not, that's not odd. <laughs> I find it odd how the left wing is destroying him right now, seemingly out of nowhere. They're just killing the guy. Why? What am I missing? Who did he make mad? What happened? Well, he made a decision that killed 15,000 
elderly people in New York State, and then he covered it up. Uh, there's some speculation that he made that decision uh, and, and many decisions during this pandemic because one of his big donors is the hospital lobby. And in fact, uh, mm-hmm. Melissa DeRoso, his right-hand woman, who dropped the bombshell by mistake last week and said, oh, we, well, sorry, we didn't give you all that information. We were trying to keep the information from a federal probe last year. Her father is the head lobbyist of the healthcare industry in New York State. So I think that's why, um, you know, the, the far, far left that socialists, the self-identified socialists in the New York State Assembly, and, and they do exist more and more every year, um, they don't like that aspect of it. They don't like Cuomo. I mean, Cuomo's a liberal, and he's a bad guy, but he's not a socialist, so that's one of the reasons they've been so outspoken. And uh, most of the, the real hardcore lefties, they didn't get elected with the Democrat establishment, the old Democrat establishment in New York State. They got elected through their far-left grassroots organizations, so they don't care about the Democrat est- establishment. So they're free to be as aggressive as they want to be. Now, can you break down for, look, somebody just got back from the moon. They've been gone for a year. What did he do in New York? What was this policy that killed so many? Break it down for people. Yeah, so on March 25th, right as the pandemic was starting, his Department of Health gave an order and said, nursing homes, if somebody's in the hospital and they have COVID and they want to come back to the nursing home, you have to let them in. And that happened. And you can imagine vulnerable populations, um, and ill-equipped nursing homes who weren't any more ready for this pandemic than anybody else was, um, it spread like wildfire through the, uh, through the nursing homes. And for a long time, Governor Cuomo claimed there were you know, 6,000 deaths in nursing homes in New York State. And it recently came out because of the work of the Democrat attorney general that the number, which we all knew, but the attorney general was able to, to spell it out, was, was double what he had been saying. And it's actually 15,000 nursing home deaths. Um, and people are very, very upset about that. He was dishonest about it. While he, was, um, while he had made this mistake and covering it up, he's writing a book. He literally wrote a book on how to lead during a pandemic. He accepted an <laughs> Emmy because his press conferences were so awesome. Uh, he's going on CNN, joking, joking around with his goofball brother uh, every night. And meanwhile, he, he was the worst governor at handling uh, the pandemic. And the media held him up, and he allowed himself to be held up. He got a prime speaking spot because of his pandemic uh, handling at the Democrat National Convention. And he was by far the worst of the 50 governors at handling the pandemic. Uh, And now people are are really just starting to realize it. And there's a lot of outrage. And there's a movement that I'm helping lead to impeach this governor. I mean, if if making a decision that kills 15,000 people and then covering it up isn't an impeachable offense, then there's no such thing as an impeachable offense. Amen. Now, are you getting left-wing support for this push? I'm assuming you're getting some, right? So, yes, they're starting to talk about it. Unfortunately, I think they're playing a little bit of a game, or they don't get it. Back in early March, foolishly, 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 the legislature gave the governor, I voted against this, but gave the governor expanded power to deal with the pandemic, and it lasts until the end of April. The governor right now and since March can suspend or alter any state or local law. That's how he shuts down your business. That's how he tells restaurants in New York, hey, even we're going to let you open. you got to close at 10 o'clock. You can't just have a beer. You have to have a, a meal with your beer. That's how he got all this power. And so what they're threatening to do because of all these revelations about the nursing home death is take away that expanded power, which, number one, 
had nothing to do with the nursing home order. That order was just regular executive power. Uh, and number two, it's going to expire in a couple weeks anyway. Kieran, you know I love New York City. Uh, obviously, you know. Shoot, we've met in New York City. Yes, that's right. Can we save it? Dude, I, I'm not one of these people who's not from there who looks down on it. I love that place, and it sucks. The last time I went there was about three four months ago to go do a media thing. Dude, I didn't recognize the city I love. Can it be saved? I really hope so. You know, I'm 60 miles north of the city where I represent. A lot of people work down there. You know, my, my wife and I and our kids go to Broadway shows, and we go to Madison Square Garden for concerts and sporting events, and I'm not in a rush to do that anytime soon, uh, the way things are going. Uh, I hope it can be saved. We have a mayor's election coming up next year. If we get a good mayor in there, we get a, you know, uh, uh, the modern-day Rudy Giuliani and kind of turn things around, yeah, it can be saved, but it's an up, up, uphill climb. Do we have yeah. a modern-day Rudy Giuliani running? I mean, is there anybody even with their name in the hat who's worth it? Well, there's, there's a gentleman named John Katsimatidis. He's a, a billionaire. He's a Republican. Uh, he's a tough-on-crime, no-nonsense kind of guy. He'll have the resources, uh, and he's one of the candidates that is running. The problem is uh, you— in, in 1993, when Rudy got elected, there was more Republicans in New York City. Now there's a lot fewer. So having that D next to your name and winning that Democrat primary is really the key to becoming the mayor. Uh, so it's a difficult, it's a more difficult political situation for a Republican. There's even talk that some Republicans will, will switch their registration, run in the Democrat primary in June because that's the real election. Whoever has the D next to their name in November uh, at the general election is the person who's going to win. So we're, we're trying everything to save the city, and I hope it can happen. I hope it can happen, too. The, Cuo, the, the Cuomo-de Blasio rivalry, why? Where is that? I guess I, I find that to be very odd. They're always sniping at each other. You know, uh, governors of New York State and mayors of New York City often don't get along. You know, they're, they're, they're two big fish in the same pond, even if they're from the same party. Pataki and Rudy didn't always get along uh, during that era. That's part of it. Uh, there's personality conflicts, and uh, de Blasio is a, is a harder leftist. He's, he's even more to the left than Cuomo, and I think that's a factor there. And Cuomo's a jerk. I mean, you know, everybody in politics has an ego. Everybody who rises to the level of governor has an ego and has, you know, uh, an, an alpha male personality, uh, but but he's a jerk, and you see that. I mean, here's a member of the assembly. He's home with his wife. Uh, he's actually giving his kids, you know, a bath, tucking them in, and the governor calls and threatens to destroy his career. A Democrat member of the assembly, by the way, and and threatens him. The, the wife couldn't sleep. I mean, he's just a he's just not a good guy. I've always, you played the clips of. Uh, of, of Cuomo at the beginning of this interview, Jesse. And I always laugh at that, the way he speaks, um, like he's Donnie Brasco or Tony Soprano. His father was the governor. He's not a tough street guy from New York City. If, if you wanted to see the epitome of white privilege, it's being the son of a three-term New York State governor. Mm -hmm. And that's what he is. And yet, uh, whereas Mario Cuomo, the father who's, whose parents were immigrants from Italy, he spoke the Queen's English. Somehow his son, the privileged son, talks like he's Donnie Brasco and tries to act like he's Donnie Brasco, um, even though I, I, I call him a faux tough guy. And if his name was Andrew Smith, he'd be lucky to have a full-time job. Ooh. A lot of his ability to get elected comes from that last name. <laughs> Kieran Lawler, you are the best, my man. I wish you the best. Next time I'm up there, we're going to go get a beer. That'd be great. That'd be great. Be Thanks a lot, Jesse. Appreciate it. Semper Fi. Right, take care. New York politics is a dirty, vicious business. The media is vicious. They're vicious to each other. It's awesome. I love it. All right.
a bomb-making mistake. I'm finally going to get to it. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Headline from TheBlaze.com. 30 Taliban militants killed during bomb-making class in a mosque where the bomb accidentally explodes. There's always one, Chris. There's always one. It's the bottom 10% that gets you every time. Every single time. You know what I'm talking about. When you were, when you were in school, back in your school days. Everybody else understood Everybody was going to get by. We were going to get to move on to the next thing. And there's always the one dunce in the back who doesn't get it. And well, you know what? I guess we do need 10 more practice problems because little Billy is in the back drooling on himself and can't get it. The problem is when it's bomb making class time, the stakes are simply too high. The stakes are too high. Think how mad they were for a split second. Before they were incinerated, think how mad the other 29 guys were at Bob in the back who once again couldn't figure out you don't connect those wires, Bob. Gosh, how many times do we have to say it, Bob? Please. You know, you know they all knew who the dunce was too. And you know for a fact, you know for a fact. Bob always had people sitting a little further away from him than the other people were sitting. Taliban's learning how to make bombs and improvise explosive devices were killed in a massive explosion when the bomb was accidentally ignited. The incident unfolded in the village of Kultak in Dawadabad, the district of Balkh province in the northern region of Afghanistan. People, I went to community college. Okay, if you're expecting good pronunciation of words, you have come to the wrong show. 
The Afghan National Army said in a statement that six foreign nationals were included in the death, death toll, but the explosion was so massive they could not be identified from the remains. Look, I've experienced the aftermath of one of these before. I've told you this story. We were in Iraq, and we were in this uh, city called Najaf. I'm not going to go into it. It's a dump. I would not recommend you visit. But we're in this city called Najaf, and part of our mission there was guarding these gigantic ammo bunkers that had all these artillery shells and ammunition in them that Saddam Hussein had been stocking in there. But we couldn't be out there all the time. They were away from our little base, so we would run patrols a day and night. But obviously, some bad people still wanted in there. And one night... I'm actually up on the wall. We had fortified the wall around the space. I'm up on the wall, and it was like this thing that almost took your breath away. And you look, and it was straight out of the movies. There is basically a mushroom cloud of flame coming up from the direction of one of the bunkers. And we're looking, and we're thinking, well, that's not good. That is not good. But we don't don't, don't have any guys out there, so we're not going to go rushing out in the middle of the night. We take off the next day to go assess the damage. I mean, I don't want to be too crude here on the radio. I realize it's national syndicated radio, and I don't want to be too gory or violent, but let's just put it to you this way. I never did get an accurate count on how many guys were in there when the thing blew up. And the best we could figure was one of them was smoking. And, you know, it's a gigantic ammo depot, and not everything is organized in other parts of the world like you're used to here in America. If you picture an American military ammo depot, it is exactly what you think. It is so organized and stacked, and it's just really, really well done. It's not like that all the other places. There would be just piles of of explosive powder on on the floor. There'd There'd be a crate with dynamite there, and the lid is just hanging off. Something that's straight out of the movie. Some of it's leaking And you could totally see one of these guys going in and lighting it up. But how about that for your feel-good story of the day? 30 Taliban dudes. And like I said, you know it was one guy. And you know what? Let this be a lesson to all of us about standards. Don't tell me the bomb-making teacher didn't know who the one liability was in the class and could never have the hard conversation. Look, Bob. I'm I'm really proud of you that you're willing to incinerate yourself and other people for the cause. That's that's really admirable. That's awesome. You just you're not you're not understanding some of the basics, Bob. All right, when I, when I say these chemicals shouldn't be mixed, I feel like you actually do the opposite of what I say every time. So what we're going to do, Bob, is no no no, I I know you're upset, but we're going to move you over to admin. All right. We're gonna, you're going to look, it's okay. You're not going to get to blow yourself up, but you're you're going to be in the HR department from now on. You handle some hiring and firing, but no, 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 Bob, you can't have a gun either. No, no. In fact, you're not good with that either. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation behind anti-racist math push. It's going to sound like I'm always picking on Bill Gates. Watch out for this guy. Watch out for this guy. This is a human being with the worst God complex I've ever seen in my life and the money to make his ideas happen. Bill Gates has the money to make his ideas happen. 
be very, very, very careful with this person. Hang on. out catch up jessikellyshow.com no word in the english language is less convincing than probably are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date sure um, we'll probably stay together probably <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since i ate I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. That Malcolm X a bit, that Malcolm X bit again as we end the show. We don't, oh, we don't have enough time. You know what? I've always struggled with time management. Always. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Tomorrow, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. We are going to have a blast. Email me. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Remember, they do not have to be political. They do not. It can be anything. Food, men, women, stupid scenarios. I don't care. History. Let's have some fun. Gosh, I can't wait. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. 
I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders who die or are catastrophically injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risked their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs walks and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about America's darkest day while helping our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. It's time for you to join half a million people in doing what? Well, doing something cool. Get a Burna Less Lethal Pistol. That's Burna, B-Y-R-N-A. It fires powerful ammunition, tear gas, kinetic ammo, incapacitates an attacker for 30, 40 minutes. Having a less lethal option is crucial. It's legal in all 50 states. No background checks are required. They ship it right to your door. B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Jesse gets you an exclusive 10% discount.